Today on People Presence, I'm talking with a dear friend and my mentor in life, Chester Wisnett. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope you have a moment to think about who has poured into your life, who has shaped and made you into who you are today. It might be a parent, it might be a teacher or a coach, it might be a neighbor, it might be um, a sibling, it could be anybody from any aspect of your life. But who has made you who you are today? I want you to think about that as we get started in today's episode. Hey there, this is People Presence, and I'm your host, Karen Hobson. This is a podcast where I interview a special guest. My hope is that through hearing their stories, you will learn something new. You might grow in your own perspective, and hopefully it'll cause you to reflect on your own life story a little bit more. I believe that every person is a present. So let's listen as we enjoy a conversation and practice the art of being present. Hey there, Chester. What do you say, sister? Should we start with why I call you sister? Let's start right there. Here we go. Why do you call me sister? Well, we had the privilege of meeting you, I think, in 1994. And we moved to Maryland from um, Alabama. (laughs) And you were like the first person we met. And we moved there with our five-year-old or four-year-old, five-year-old son who you were tremendously instrumental in helping us with. And he called you sister. He did. I and think so it stuck. There you go. The other reason too, to clarify. So we met in the context of our church community. Um, your wife's name is Karen spelled K-A-R-E-N. And so if you were talking about me or your wife to other people, it was confusing. That's the other aspect of it too. So it was like, oh, she just became sister. Cause then otherwise if you said, oh, Karen, people were like, which one? And so that's another part of it, but Yes. So Chester Wisnett is our guest today on The People Presence. And I am so glad to have you, Chester, because this is the part where you might get a little emotional. Um, Because when I thought of this idea of a podcast, you are like foundational to who I am as a person because of your investment in my life, your investment in my spiritual development, in my professional development, in my educational path. Um, Outside of my own parents, I would say you are the most influential person in my entire life. And I love you dearly. And so I wanted to share with my listeners our relationship and hopefully they can glean from it that they can impact someone else's life that way. So yay. That that is amazing. And and that is all true. And I feel totally the same way. I'm very honored to be here. You know, um, when we moved to Maryland, we didn't know what to expect. We're Southerners, you know, and of course, never lived in Maryland. And you, again, were one of the first people that, that I just completely connected with. And that's saying a lot because my wife, Karen, can connect with just about anybody. But me, I got to have people that are on the same wavelength. And you were right there from the beginning. And so I just knew it was just going to be a tremendous relationship all of our lives. And so we're excited about that and excited to be here. So Chester, um, to help our listeners get a better picture of who you are, tell us about like your family, your job, your where you're living, all that kind of stuff. Give us the picture of Chester Wisnett. Well, I was born and raised in Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, my parents heavily involved in our church community there. And I was born and raised 
in that community. And in 1981, I felt the call to ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I went, um, got a degree in ministry in college and then went to seminary and then uh, was serving a church in Alabama when I received the call from the Lord to come up there and be uh, a part of the church in Baltimore. So I'm married to Karen. Yeah, you forgot her. Hold on. We got to we got to insert her in the timeline. Where does she come in? Okay, 1986. Uh, we were married and, uh, she's from new Orleans. So I met her when I was in seminary there. Okay. And so we, uh, we were married and we have two sons. Karen is a school teacher. Mm -hmm. That's important because of what I'm, what else I'm about to say. Brandon was again, I think five, six, when we moved up there, Brandon is now a school teacher. His wife is a school teacher and our youngest son who we had 10 years after Brandon Mitchell is a school teacher. So I'm surrounded by school teachers, you know, and uh, well, which is a wonderful thing. And I think that's important because you in your pastoral role, you are a pastor now of global missions. Is that correct? Now is that your time? Uh, worship and global missions are my two main areas that I work in. Okay. When you and I met, you were called to the church in Maryland to do music. And that's where our lives kind of intersected through music. And for a while you did youth and things like that. But it's amazing. If you just think about that, like our episode today, we're talking about pouring into other people. You are surrounded by humans who pour into other people. Like that's the culture that you're a part of in the faith community. And also with your, you know, family and your wife and your sons and daughter-in-law being teachers. That's what y'all are all about. Well, that's true. And, you know, we I, I say all the time we speak teacher and it, that's really we're really saying what you just said. Mm-hmm. And that is that we have an opportunity to pour into the lives of people, whether it be at school, whether it be at church, whether it be in our everyday lives, mm-hmm. which is something that, you know, we've just grown accustomed to and we just enjoy, you know. So the cool thing about that is you don't always get to pick who you pour into. No, you're a great example of that. I mean, you know, here we go. And uh, we're in the in, involved in this church and you walk in the building and immediately your personality was like, bang, 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 bang. And, and it just drew to me and drew to my heart. Mm-hmm. And so we connected on, on a real personal level um, at that particular point. You know, I remember going home that, that the first time I met you and I said, Karen, did you meet that girl? Karen. And she's like, yeah. And I said, man, that girl's got some personality. And so, you know, we, we connected that way immediately. Well, and I also think it's important for our listeners to know, like there was not a official program, like sign up to be mentored or signed up to be discipled or sign up to be in a relationship with someone in a different season of life. Like this is a completely organic thing, but you took me under your wing and you just looked at my life and you saw areas that I could grow in. And sometimes you would challenge me and sometimes you would just bless me. Like um, we have a dear family in our church community that you were like, hey, this is a mom of three boys and she could use a break. So you came to her and you said, hey, how about you let sister babysit for you like every week? Cause that girl needs some money to go to college. And so you behind the scenes like facilitated all that. So you had my best interests at heart, but no one told you to do that. There wasn't like a step one, find a person to mentor. Step two, help her get a job. Like it was so, so organic. How did you know what the next step was? Well, I think the, the, the first initial step was the fact that I felt, you know, God saying to me, hey, okay, here's a young lady 
that that you really could pour into you know i so i felt that i felt that for a number of reasons one you're an extrovert really and i'm an introvert yeah and i'm a i'm an introvert and uh and so you know opposites kind of attract that way and the second thing though was i i, I recognized right off the bat you were a hard worker mm-hmm. and i recognized that you were that that i could trust you you know mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. hey if i can trust you with my own kid yeah then I can trust you in in so many other areas, and I, and what trust goes there's there we could we could have a whole podcast on trust, but okay. one of the main things for me uh, about the trust issue is that if I if I ask you to do something, you did it. Yes. And um and then then there was the discussion of what did you learn from it, but the but the initial thing is you got to be willing to do that in, in the mentoring, you know, kind of thing. So the first thing uh, was, was the recognition of the fact that, that I believe God had uniquely placed me in a position to be able to come alongside you and help you with certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- so that's where it came for me. The second, the, the, the next part about that was that as we progressed in the relationship, um, you know, God opened up more doors for us to do things like interacting with one another, you know, studying God's word through the youth group together, seeing each other worship. You were in our home a lot. And, a lot. Uh, and again, trust factor comes, comes into play there. So uh, for, for you, it was, it was pretty easy to see that, that this was a direction that we needed to go in by way of mentoring and helping. You know, mm-hmm. well, I think the other thing, like I literally feel like my junior and senior years of my high school experience, even part of my freshman year of college, you guys invited me to everything. Like it wasn't like, oh, yeah, there's that girl sister, you know, who we see every week at church. You know, it wasn't that like I went on family vacations with y'all like <laughs> we were we were tight. And that was an amazing season of life. Like you helped me prepare. I majored in music and you helped me prepare for my college auditions. Like I didn't know how to sing in foreign languages. And you're like, all right, let's do this. I'll never forget. This is one of my favorite memories of you. I was a senior in high school. This is so embarrassing. Senior in high school saying I'm going to major in music education. And you had this whiteboard in the sanctuary and we were having a voice lesson and you said, all right, sister, what's this? And you drew a four, four time signature. You're like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. And you're like, okay, that's a time signature. I'm like, okay, whatever. Should we just sing now? Like I had no theory background and you're not like the most, you know, music theory doesn't really do it for you, but you knew, okay, you have to have a basic level of this and you ain't got nothing girlfriend. So let me, you know, pour into that a little bit for you um, as well. I think another huge part is when you're in a mentor relationship, it has to go two ways. Like, I think the, the beauty in our relationship is that I was willing and you were willing and I would accept correction. I can also remember, I'm gonna, sorry, not to digress into too many stories, but y'all paid me to watch your house and take care of your house when you went to Disney World. And you said, while we're gone, we want you to clean. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said, I want you to clean and do these things, blah, blah, blah. And when you got home, you're like, all right, sister, here's the money that we promised you. And y'all bought me a stuffed animal too, because you were so thoughtful. That's what you do for your daughter, right? Uh-huh. And then you're like, but that bathroom was not done to our satisfaction. Like you totally treated me like a kid <laughs> in, my, you know, in a good way. You were like, that's not acceptable. I'm not just paying you because I'm being nice. Like that's not there. Uh-huh. I remember so many things. I was, I was, I read that uh, as a, as sort of a prompting or whatever. And I thought, 
I remember one night we came home and you were at the top of the stairs. And you were I crying. knew you were going to say this because, story. Because Mitchell, I mean, Brandon was horrible that night. I remember. Wait, we have to say Brandon. Prom. Brandon was your five-year-old son. So I la- right. I was babysitting right. and the yes. five-year-old was being a butt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you were upset about it. And then I remembered when Karen got really sick one time and I was out of town. I don't know if you remember that. Okay. But you took care of Karen and Brandon. Do I you do remember that. that? No, I don't oh remember. Oh, gosh, that. yes. I, I, I totally remember that. And then uh, I remember the thing about the house and watching out for the house. And I remember getting you ready for the prom. Yes. So okay. This is a good story. Let's give, let's yeah. leave Karen some love. Okay. Karen is Chester's wife, just to be clarifying here. Karen is a Southern girl, like amazing Southern girl, like the hair, the makeup, the nails, like the whole thing. And I am not like, I'm a chapstick and maybe blow dry your hair kind of a gal. Like that's who I am, right? And so Karen is doing my makeup and my hair and it's like hours before the prom, right? And she's like, I can't get this hair right. I cannot get this hair right. And she's like, Chester, we need to find a hair salon right now. And like you guys scrambled and this is before cell phones. So this is a thing like Uh, Saturday afternoon. But anyhow, y'all found a place and paid for me to get my hair done. And I was like, it's kind of expensive. Can't you just figure it out? And Karen's like, I'll pay for it. I don't care. You have to have your hair right, so. And and you did, and we took photos. I yeah. still have the photos. So, yeah. Yeah. Will you send I mean, me? A, I couldn't find that picture. I was looking for it last night. Send me, like, take a picture of that picture for me. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it actually came up on memories a, a little while back. But yeah, I can find that. That's no problem. Okay. So I hope that our listeners aren't feeling like, I don't have a Chester in my life. I don't want them to feel that. But I also want to say, like, if you have a Chester in your life, or if you had Y'all need to reach out to that person because you and I aren't living in the same place now. Like you guys are down in Atlanta. I'm up in Baltimore area still. And I think something that's beautiful about our relationship is one of us will just think of each other. Like, and it's not weekly. It's not even monthly. But take the opportunity to reach out to the people who have been impactful to you and say, hey, thinking about you. I think we don't really do that. No, I think it's super important. And, you know, we can be honest and say that for quite a while, we sort of lost touch with each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, what helped that was the invention of the cell phone and, and, um, you know, the, uh, not, I can't think of the word I'm trying to think, accessibility, that's what I'm trying to say. Because like, I remember that you didn't have texting for the longest time. Yeah. And I would tell Karen, I'd be like, sister, don't text. <laughs> you know, that's the way we talk in the South. Yeah. But uh, finally, you uh, you came into the real world there. And so, you know, you're right. Just to, just to text, hey, I'm thinking about you. Just to text to say, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you on this particular situation. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Those kind of things like that. And I think, you know, somebody said one time, I don't know who it was, but if you die and you have four or five really good friends, you're really fortunate. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that, I think that's really true, but the, the aspect of connectivity Mm -hmm. takes work and, and it's like you said earlier, it's a two-way street, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, we know well enough, we know each other well enough to know that if the response back from something isn't, isn't, uh, involved or long enough, like it needs to be, the other one would say, okay, what's the deal? What's going on here? And, uh, we would get a little bit more in depth in the conversation if need be. But I think that's important. Uh, what you said, because 
we all need encouragement. Mm-hmm. And when I when I see your name pop up on my phone, I'm encouraged before I read anything. Yeah. The other thing about it is I don't give and this, you know, this I'm just being, you know, if I gave everybody the same accessibility that I that yes. you get, yes, then I wouldn't have time for a life. But there's going to be people in your life that you give immediate yeah. accessibility to and um for for me, you're one of those people, and and it's just super important to me. I think that's so important too, Chester, because it's not like you have this long list of people in your cell phone that you're like, okay, all these people I'm mentoring, right? There's only so much of us to go around. So to keep it small scope in the sense, like it's not every single person is going to get that accessibility that you're saying, or there's not going to be the depth of relationship with all people, you know, it only can be so much. Um, You were saying if you die and you have three or four friends, you're good. Um, Someone just sent me this hilarious, I think it's a TikTok. I'm so like, social media, not knowledgeable, but it said the real miracle that Jesus completed that no one ever talks about is the fact that he had 12 close friends in his mid thirties. And it's supposed to be cheeky, but it's this whole Mm -hmm. idea of like, we don't really know each other, Mm -hmm. but even within that 12, he had his three that were even closer. Right. Mm -hmm. And that that's okay. Like we can't be close and have the same depth of relationship with everybody. You just can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I want to pivot for a second. And one of the things I wanted to have you on the show to talk about is how you value all people. And um, part of that, I think, is from your upbringing. And can you tell us a little bit about your sister and how that fits into your view of like every human being has value and worth? Well, um, my I have a sister who's mentally handicapped and she's two, almost three years older than I am. And, uh, you know, we just had a real interesting thing happen to us in our life. My father, I lost my mother about 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and my father and my sister had lived together. As a matter of fact, my father, he worked for the retirement system for the state of Alabama. And then when he found out that Cindy was mentally handicapped, he went back to school and got a degree. And for the really for the the rest of his life, he taught special education, Mm. which has always been such a tremendous thing in my heart in my life to know that he would shift his whole life and focus because of her anyway her name is cindy so back in january my father had a stroke he's 91 and i had to move him and cindy to an assisted living Mm -hmm. and again that's another podcast of god's (laughs) mercy because they're five minutes from me Mm -hmm. literally Mm -hmm. and so um you know when you grow up in an environment where you have a special needs person, um, often this, it's not about you and it's not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying it was always about Cindy. I'm just saying that you, your whole outlook of life is about relating to other people and helping other people and Mm -hmm. being there for other people. You know, I think that's a part of the, uh, uh, a, a great part of my upbringing, but another great part of my upbringing was I watched my mom and dad model mm-hmm. complete unconditional love for all of God's people. We had people from all walks of life, all races, all diversity, anything in our home. When mm-hmm. I was growing up, I saw this. And then I married a lady who also uh, saw this modeled in her home. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what, how, what does that translate to? Well, it translates to a daily 
understanding that God created everyone in his own image. And so I get a chance on mission trips. You know, I live, the place that I currently live was featured in a a National Geographic um, article about 10 years ago as one of the top five most diverse areas in major metropolitan cities mm. it's called the Buford Highway Corridor because Buford Highway is is just uh you know about two or three miles from here but there's outside, a, of, Atlanta. outside yeah. of Atlanta Georgia yeah yeah and, and and there's about 170 nationalities that are that are recognized in this area and every once in a while I go out with a friend of mine who who is a missionary to all of these different communities and we just spend the day together Mm-hmm. And it gives me the perspective of of where I'm located mm-hmm. and who God has given me the opportunity to minister to uh, in that um, in that particular arena that I'm that I'm located in. And I love that. You know, I really do. I've served in all different kinds of places with, uh, you know, a group like the major um, group people group there is is one thing. Mm-hmm. But to be in an area where there's so many, it has been, has been wonderful. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so God's allowed me to minister to, to so many people. And I'll tell you, currently I'm working with the students of our church because we're looking for a student pastor mm-hmm. and we have about 30 students from all walks of life, all socioeconomic background. Mm-hmm. 30, almost 30 different schools. And it's just a sweet, sweet challenge to be able to minister to those families. Um, Are these high school kids? uh, Middle school and high school. Okay. Okay. And, um, you know, some, some have nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then some are are super blessed financially and, and and in many other ways. But just the challenge that God has given to be able to to do that is, is wonderful. You know, it's biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you you study when Jesus was on this earth, how he related to people from. And I'm not just talking about race. I'm talking about right. you, know, you know all areas. Mm-hmm. And and that's just that's just super uh, super for me. Well, and I remember we've had um, similar contexts where you had some of the really, really, really wealthy people in different church communities that you served and you got to, you introduced me to them and they would take us out to these fancy dinners and stuff. So the thing that I love about you is that you were like a people to all people, right? Like if you want to go to Ruth Chris Steakhouse and wine and dine, I'm your man. If you want to go get a burrito from this dive truck down the street, I'm your man. Like you are not um, boxed in by your circumstance or your race or your ethnicity or any of those things. Like you are just a people person. Um, Something else I remember is that you minister to all kinds of people in that um, we went to a nursing home one time and your job at the time, you were supposed to just go and visit these people who weren't able to come to the church anymore. So I went with you and we visited these people in nursing home. And this one person was really not mentally well, like they were just in a bad place and they cussed us out. And we were like, oh, well, that's a little bit unusual. And you did. Do you remember this? I do not. Okay. This person cussed us out one side, another little Baptist pastor and his little intern person, right? They cussed us out. And you did the most profound thing. You kind of chuckled a little bit. We left the room and you chuckled a little bit and you paused right there and we prayed for that woman. 
And it wasn't long, wasn't a big hairy deal, but you didn't defame. You didn't make little of her. You didn't say, well, she's a jerk. Like there was, I mean, we chuckled cause it was like surprising, right? But um, I love that about you, that you just take people where they're at, like just roll with it, whatever, you know, it's gonna be a thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of vaguely remembering this, but you know, one thing that was interesting to me about the church in Maryland is that there was actually rednecks in that church. And I mean, I, that surprised <laughs> me totally. And I'm saying there were there were people there that were very wealthy. Yep. There were people there that didn't have, you know, I don't even know. And to rub together. Yeah, we in the South, we say a pot to pee in, which yeah. means they don't have anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And then there were some country folks that were in that church. I think, you know, I, I always used to tell my friends that it was like it driving from Ellicott City to um, Glenelg. Uh, it was like if I took certain roads, I thought I was in a car commercial because it yes. was so beautiful. The rolling hills, you know, where they train the horses that that rode yeah. in the Preakness and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, we could never afford to live there. That's why we live 10 minutes or 10 miles down the road in Ellicott City yeah. in a townhouse. But um, but all they, even within that congregation, there was yeah. tremendous diversity and I loved every minute of it. And you know what? This is really interesting. I'm glad that that the Lord has brought this to my mind and remember it. One of the most profound things in all of my ministry happened at that church. When I first went to that church there in um, in Glenelg, um, there was a woman. I'm not going to name their names. The names, yeah. She was the the janitor of the church. That's what she was. Mm -hmm. And she, when I first went there, I. I had a real problem with her because she she was short, tempered, not tempered, uh, short. She just didn't say a lot. Mm -hmm. And she was kind of gruff and she would mm -hmm. she would always come to clean the church toward at the end of the day. And I could tell she was tired and she was fussy. Sometimes she'd fuss at me. And I, now I got to tell you that by the end of the time, my time there, I, I had grown to love her mm -hmm. uh, words. Mm -hmm. But here's the profound thing that happened. I was about at my wits end and was going to go to my pastor and say, hey, look, I don't know who this lady is, but we, you know, this is just not working out. We just need to move on from this relationship and get somebody in here who's happy, you know? Yeah. And one afternoon, late, everybody had gone. She was there cleaning. I could hear the vacuum cleaning, all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, she, I, she knocked on my office door and I opened the office door and she handed me an envelope and she didn't say a word. She just handed me an envelope. <laughs> I said, okay, well, thank you very much. And so I just put the envelope on my desk and I kept on working and everything. I got home that night and I opened the envelope. It was my check. Okay. And she had signed it. And God said, the same lady that cleans the bathroom is the lady that writes your check. Had you she never noticed that before? No, no. Because it's the first check I had gotten. I hadn't oh, been there. Okay, 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 okay. And she's and and he said, uh, he's like clear as a bell, like a billboard on the street. He said, "Don't mess with my servants." Mm. And I was like, "What a tremendous lesson I learned mm. in that particular experience." This woman, I I believe she was in the 
cafeteria at the high school next door. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't even remember. I remember her name, which I'm not going to say, but yeah, don't say it. Oh man. From then, from then on, you know, God just changed my heart about her. I got to know her. I spent time with her yep. and, and it was just, even went to her house one time, uh, Karen and I did for a meal. And, um, but that was just a, this is along the same lines of what we're talking about. You know, she's, she's a person that would easily be overlooked. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was in, in the front of the line to overlook her mm -hmm. until God jerked my chain, so to speak. Well, and I appreciate that, that you realize the problem wasn't with her. Like originally you thought the problem is her, right? But then you have this moment of reflection and revelation that the problem's with me. It really reminds me of a great book. Um, I don't think you're the most avid reader, but by um, Shanti Feldhahn, The Kindness Challenge, how it's a great book. I highly recommend it. I've studied it with friends. It's awesome. But this whole idea of like, when you have these difficult relationships, you need to kind of look at yourself. I'm not saying that the other person is faultless. I'm not saying that at all, but relationships that are hard become easier when we are introspective and look at ourselves and think, so like what you're saying is you had this moment of revelation and then you started to treat her with more kindness, more compassion, more interest into her story. And then the relationship changed. So yeah, yeah that was that was an amazing, I've never forgot that. I've told that story about 4 billion times. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about this particular subject that we're talking about here mm -hmm. and that, you know, you just don't ever know who God is going to put in your path to minister to, to help, to mentor, you know, mm -hmm. whatever we're talking about. So Chester, as we kind of wrap up here, do you think that mentorship and investing in people's lives and seeing other people, does that only apply to Christians or do you think people who aren't Christians could gain anything from this conversation we've had? Absolutely not. You know, absolutely not. You do have to be aware of your surroundings and the people that come in, you come in contact with or cross your path, so to speak, mm -hmm. that there may be some that are more um, available, more mm -hmm. interested in being mentored than others, you know, because mm -hmm. I mean, you and I both know people that they think they know everything. You really? Know? I've met and, a few. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, we were talking before we actually started recording about the fact that once you quit learning, once you quit trying to to better yourself it's over you know and so no you don't have to be a christian to to mentor people you don't have to be a christian to affect positively the lives of people you don't have to be a christian to be kind right right, um, right. you know and which is what the what the world needs a whole lot of doses of um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in in my opinion you know mm-hmm well, Chester, you are just fabulous. And we keep talking about getting together. Y'all keep saying you're going to come up to Maryland and do like cherry blossoms or, you know, obviously there's a DC, but um, we should make it happen. I know we had that COVID hiccup and all that, but mm -hmm. we should. Well, I have, there's one thing about you that I've never been able to accomplish. And maybe the readers would like to know that. What's I've that? never been able to convince you to go on a mission trip. So That's maybe true. one day that is it true. will happen. I okay, mean, I keep praying about it. Yes, that is true. You are right. So part of your role is running these mission trips for your church. And you guys go to Romania and Tanzania. I feel like you go somewhere in South America. I'm not remembering. Well, we, we're, we've been in uh, South and Central America, um, in um, Honduras, Guatemala, and Argentina. But the other place we've been going that we can't go right now is Ukraine. And, uh, right. Right. I mean, Y'all need to think about those folks. Oh, my goodness gracious. We're just our hearts are just broken mm -hmm. that we've not been able to go in there in the last uh, 
you know, when we go there, we minister to 2000 orphans in 10 days. Mm. And so um, those orphans have been dispersed all over Europe. And uh, some of them, we don't know where they're at. And uh, so, you know, we need, that's a whole nother thing to think about, you know, mm. it really is. Well, seasons of life is a big the uh, theme that I talk about. And um, my kids are getting older now and I can maybe leave them alone for a week, a week and a half at a time. So I will be praying on that mission trip. The other thing is Mike and I, my husband and I have in our vows that we will worship and grow together in Christ. And so the idea of like, if I was to go on this mission trip and have this thing, and then he didn't have the thing, is that a thing? But you know, that's a whole other thing for me to think about. You can go too. <laughs> Leave all the children home. Let's just go have yeah. a fun time. Bring all them too. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chester, I love that you have always made a place at your table, whether that's um, physically sitting across the table from you or just in your heart and mind. I always know that I'm welcome to call, to complain, to say, hey, I don't know what to do. So thank you for being a mentor and an encourager and um, just shaping me for who I am. I appreciate you so much. Well, I love you. And this has been a real honor. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, y'all. If you have a little bit more of a Southern twang in your voice for the rest of the day, it's all good. Don't worry about it. It's because you hung out with Chester Wisnett for a little bit and that just rubs off on people, which is a good thing. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope the stories warmed your heart. I hope that you will take the challenge today and call, text, uh, email, FaceTime, Zoom call, whatever your platform of choice is to the person who's poured into you, the person who has made you who you are today. And if you're not sure who that person is, I hope you just take a minute and think about it. I hope you take a minute and ponder that for yourself and for that other person. I also want to encourage you today a second challenge. Who are you pouring into? Who are you thinking about? Who are you trying to be intentional about your relationship with them? Something that challenged me personally in our conversation today was this idea that Chester's parents modeled for him all kinds of people from all walks of life being in their home, being in their community, being invited into their life story. And that's something I want to work on as my, a parent myself, that we would have diversity of people and life stories and contexts in our life. I think I already do that, but I'm pondering that and wondering if I need to have more of that in my life. Shouldn't be all people who are like us or share similar interests all the time. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope um, you have someone or more than one person who has poured into your life to make you who you are. Every person is a present. And I hope that you feel that you are a present that someone has invested in in your life. <music>